Hey everybody, welcome to the Chase Talks Hip Hop Podcast And I just want to say thank you to all my listeners And before anything happens, please like, subscribe, leave a 5 star review Show some love for your boy out here I appreciate everything, let's get into the show Hey everybody, I would like to thank StereotypeCo.com for officially sponsoring the podcast and looking out for your boy Chase. And I want to thank them for making awesome clothing, making great content, blogs, conducting awesome interviews. It's a really great platform and I would love it if the Chase Talks Hip Hop family could extend an arm and meet up and please, please support StereotypeCo.com. The reason I support them so heavy is because they support me heavy and i appreciate everything that they do to look out for me i love the clothing i love uh, what dave noodles has done to build the company it's really something i can stand behind and i think it's something you should check out so please if you're tired of me talking about it click the link below and check out stereotypeco.com for awesome awesome content and awesome awesome merch thank you If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. These are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Thank you so much. My name is Chase. This is Chase Talks Hip Hop, and I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Chase Talks Hip Hop Podcast. And I just want to give you a rundown of what's been happening. And I, you know, I really do refrain from speaking on a lot of things in the media, uh, political stuff, because it really, I don't feel like it's my place. But I just want to take a second to talk about these shootings that have gone on because it kind of sucks the oxygen out of the room. And I feel like if I don't address it, then why am I even doing this show, really? But with these shootings happening, it's just so, it definitely does take away something from the soul. It's desensitizing enough, but there is an element where when this keeps on happening, it really just does highlight the issues of uh, humanity, the issues of life. Um, And as much as I want to try to get inside the head of these people who committed these acts, it really isn't worth it. And I don't think we should see their face, know their name. We shouldn't even give them any amount of notoriety for what they have done what they have done is horrible horrific monstrous fucking evil and that's the the truth behind it and with all these scenarios that have been going on it just makes you you know again it makes you more aware of your mortality and how you need to look out for your loved ones you need to care you got to be careful what you say you gotta you know we don't know how these days are gonna go right and that's the truth of it and life is very spontaneous it's very random 
And there are people who are willing to take lives for no apparent reason other than the fact maybe they feel disenfranchised, they're an incel, whatever the fuck it may be, the it doesn't take away from the fact that kids lose their lives, there were families in that grocery store in Buffalo, um, the, the recent shooting, it's like, see, there have been so many shootings, I can't remember what all of them have been happening, there was one in Orange County, um, but I really just want to send my condolences to the families, you know, um, of the children, the, the families in Buffalo, all of the all of the trauma that has gone on. I really hope that people who have been through that, that they get the help that they seek and that there is retribution for the lives that have been lost. And, and it's very tough because the reality is we cannot get these people back. You know, we can't get them back, these kids back to their parents. And that's the horrific element of this tragedy and the fact that the police didn't go in after X amount of time. And this is the thing where, you know, again, criticism of the police department. It is interesting where you see police really ready to hurt protesters and fuck up a grandma. But when it really comes down to it, there are just some people who just don't really want to do their job. And that's a factor. So even though people were afraid, and I was watching the news. I was I was watching the news report, and they were saying that the officers were afraid. But isn't that their job to be afraid and then push through it and continue? That that's as as much as I may sound unsympathetic to the police. Understand where I'm coming from, right? Where, for instance, like when I was in firefighter training, I had a full acceptance that what I am doing is selfless. And it is my job to put myself in danger. So I feel like the equivalent of those police not doing that, it is the equivalent of firefighters not willing to fight a fire out of fear. Guess what? Those firefighters are afraid most of the time. They should be. That fear is what keeps you alive. That fear is your alarm bell and it is your internal system. And the fact of the matter is that these police who did this, I'm not trying to point fingers, but this was something where they could have prevented this. This was somebody who was in there for, what, 30 minutes fucking around. He wanted to die. This person was sick in the head. And you, you look at the incident with Buffalo, which is especially terrible because this is somebody, that guy uh, who fucking did that shooting in Buffalo was already, I believe he was already vetted by the police because he wrote some letter about wanting to he wrote he did a high school project and he wrote an essay about doing a school a shooting a mass shooting not a school shooting but a mass shooting and they did a psychological evaluation and then they, they still didn't feel like there was enough validity to keep tabs on them to the point they they really could have prevented this so y you see the allocation and you see how politicians will always use certain ploys and certain leverages to, to make something seem right. But let me ask you this, right? So if we can track people, invade their personal lives, and then we have people saying, well, we do this so we can stop the terrorists, stop this. Well, guess what? They had many opportunities to stop these terrorists and they didn't. So why did this happen? And the truth is cowardice is a hard thing to deal with. Cowardice is a hard thing to bite into, especially, you know, when you're exhibiting those symptoms. But guess what? I'm not going to lie. I expected more from these Texas police, especially with all the stuff that goes on with Texas and all the shit that goes down and how people always like to, you know, 
people lately have been shitting on Los Angeles, you know, and talking about riding Texas's dick because Elon Musk went down there and Joe Rogan and nothing towards those guys. They're fucking successful. They're doing their job. But I'm not just going to go to Texas just to chase something, you know, and with Texas, I expected more from the police because this is fucking the Lone Star State. I thought you guys don't fuck around and people being afraid of losing their weapons, losing their second amendment. I could give a fuck about this. Like as far as the political gun conversation, I don't care what end of it you're on. It's not really the conversation I'm looking to have. I'm really looking to have the conversation of how do we prevent this realistically? And also why did the police not respond in an orderly manner? And same thing with the Buffalo police. Like they're going to wait to kill this guy, right? But then you think of all the amount, all the shootings that involve unarmed black men getting shot, the Philando Castiles, it really does shine a light. So you, they're so afraid. A cop can be so afraid they'll shoot an unarmed man who isn't doing anything. And yet they can also be so afraid they won't shoot a guy with the gun. Do you know how like strange that is? I know everyone has a different response to fear, but... I, just just the way you, you look into the weight of everything, right? The fact of the matter that they wouldn't go in the building, they wouldn't do their fucking job. And my issue with this is, is I, I know a lot of police officers. I know a lot of great police officers who are humble. They do their job and they are upstanding citizens. But then you have police officers who really, they, they put that in their identity. Like, I am a police officer. Respect me. I'm a this. I'm a protector. It hurts to know that people just want to get into something for prestige instead of just helping people to help them. And I'm not saying that those police officers are bad guys. I'm not. I might have been afraid. Maybe I would have froze. I'm not judging. I am judging, but it's not just from like a place of hatred or emptiness. It's really just trying to understand how come our quote unquote protectors didn't do what they were supposed to do. It's like a fire department rolling up, not putting out the fire because they're too anxious and jittery. It's like, that's what you guys are trained for. Y'all are trained for this and we need you to save the lives of those children. And listen, if I were the parent of one of those kids, maybe I'd be a lot harsher as, as they should. And those parents, they, they have every right to voice their complaints toward the police department, you know, and that's a fact. And maybe they'll grow from this and learn from it. But 20 lives were lost. And in the case of the Buffalo shooting, that was preventable as well. But I don't understand why go through such, such a length to preserve the life of the shooter. Because the reality is this, if it, if it was someone with a different skin tone, they wouldn't hesitate. And that's the factor we're dealing with. And... I, I'm just really disgusted. I don't want to hang on this subject too much and bring everyone down. I'm going to tell you about uh, some business things I've been working on. I'm, I'm getting back at Third Wheel next month uh, to start out with uh, Dave Noodles and stuff. I'm uh, going to be doing a Beat Stars, pa Beat Stars page. I'm thinking it's going to be under... I've, I've pretty much like uh, reorganized my system as far as my production name, but it's going to be 4.0 Real Beats. Uh, 4.0 Real Beats is going to be my production name. And the reason I'm getting into that is because I really want to contribute more. I've been making so many beats. I've been making 40 to, to like almost like 80 beats a week. So I'm just trying to keep at it, uh, keep cooking, and just give you guys the best stuff consistently. But I'm just going to roll into the, the week a little bit. Like, what did I do on my days off? Um, I, yesterday... I took some time to watch a couple of movies. One of them being Daybreakers. I want to talk about Daybreakers because this 
this is one of those films like if you're into vampire movies but you're not into the tropes of certain things i would recommend this movie because they take the idea of a vampire and they put it under the lens of science which i really appreciated and the movie stars ethan hawk willem dafoe i think common is in it shortly um who else who else? Yeah, so those those are the main... Oh, the guy from Jurassic Park. The, the motherfucker, you know, the main guy from Jurassic Park. Not Jeff Goldblum. So, essentially, this is a, an era where people have decided to, to take vampirism on a mass scale. So, m- society, most of the population, I want to say like 95% of people are vampires now. And there's a small remaining human population in which they use to farm for blood. But... They're running low on blood and and a shortage of humans. So guess what? The vampires are being deprived of blood. And this once they become deprived and hungry, they become more monstrous. And these are the elements of the film I really like because it takes the aspects of vampirism and those sci-fi elements and mixes it very well because it explains it as if it is some sort of a genetic evolutionary aspect or some sort of they they really speak to it in terms of a disease or in terms of the medical medical um, terminology and the movie does a good job of plotting and pacing and mixing the action horror elements and and it to me it had a great tone and Willem Dafoe in it I mean Willem Dafoe in that movie is just great you know I, I can't really complain Willem Dafoe in every movie has been amazing I, I thought he was great in the returning as Green Goblin even better I was like Jesus fucking Christ how does this dude fucking this limber at his age still rolling and kicking ass but anyway the the movie what I like about Ethan Hawke's character is he doesn't like being a vampire. He's like he's a self-loathing vampire and he hates himself and he's just trying to get his shit together. And he has this weird relationship with his brother because his brother turned him and his brother is is working uh, for the vampire police force under the, the blood bank company he is on. And Ethan Hawke's character is a hematologist, so he, he knows a lot about blood and he is trying to find a substitute and create a substitute. It's not working. Long story short, and the spoilers ahead, Ethan Hawke figures out a way to cure himself of vampirism. Same thing. He learned it from Willem Dafoe's character who did it. And it involves a distillery, a distilling container, water, and the sun. And he, he got hit enough to the point where he cured himself of the vampirism. And... To me, the aspect the aspect of it was cool because we haven't ever seen a vampire movie where they have a cure that is is just that um, a cure that is that layered. Like when I, when I mean like when when movies do a cure, like oh, I got I got the I'm gonna inject you with this random serum. <coughs> what I liked about it was it was a process. It was a treatment, and he just couldn't get treated overnight. Get treated quickly, and that really was um something to it like as far as the action as well the action was great there was one scene where the the Jurassic Park dude he gets sent up after he gets you know so long story short he bites Ethan Hawke and the antibodies uh from Ethan Hawke's blood since he became human again and cured the vampirism goes into the guy who bit him the Jurassic Park dude he becomes human they send him up on the elevator to the hungry soldiers and they just fucking rip his head off drink his blood 
it was fucking ill. And then eventually they become human. The other vampires eat those vampires that turned humans. And it, it, it really becomes this whole chain event. But um, if you're looking for a fun vampire movie, I would ex- su- suggest that one. Fright Night's good. From Dusk Till Dawn's fun. You know, is that the one with James Woods? Yeah. But um, I really like that movie. Another movie that kind of came out around that era, around like that 2009, 2008-ish era. Oh, what is it? Oh, The Taking of Pelham 123. I'm going to talk about this movie. I need to talk about John Travolta in general because of that Gotti movie as well. I had time. I watched that shit twice so fun but um i want to talk about the taking of pelham one two three and what i love about the movie is the actors what they did was great the cast that they got they had james gandafini from the sopranos uh nick Turturro. um is that is that john no it's john Turturro. and then you have denzel motherfucking washington john fucking travolta and they delivered throughout this film. Like, they really they really delivered. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things. I know John Travolta has a lot of stuff going around. Him, but whatever. John Travolta is great as a bad guy. I don't think anyone could play a villain as good as John Travolta. Even in the, that old Punisher movie that wasn't that great, I always thought he was menacing. Like, he always could embody that. That, that cold menacingness. Like, even in Sharkfish, right? Um face off as well he played the good guy and the bad guy but in taking pelham one two three the premise is that john travolta takes this subway train hostage and he has what like 10 hostages and the dispatcher is denzel washington who is a dude who was originally higher up in the company but they decided to demote him temporarily because he's under investigation for taking a bribe now throughout this film it's basically John Travolta's character interacting with Denzel Washington's character, Walter Garber. And the reason he likes Denzel's character is because he brings an element of a refreshing humanity, right? And I think, too, with John Travolta, he's a layer character. He's fucked up, he's evil, and he kills hostages, but there are layers to him. And But then towards the end, you, you start to see the how shallow his philosophies really are and how at the end of the day everything is really self-serving towards him and i'm not gonna like ruin this movie but the way they pace it is good i like the way they they took um the way they they took the the relationship between the company and denzel and his employee and his co-workers and how they would judge him and how he's kind of under this weird spotlight but him doing this in a way, can redeem the mistake he made in taking the bribe or whatever, since he is under investigation. And and you really root for Denzel Washington in every movie because he, he he's great at playing that that dad who wants to get to his kids. He's really good at that. And in this movie, I think one of the one of the most heart wrenching scenes when he's talking to his wife over the phone. He's saying, "Hey, uh, I got to go do this. I'm I'm gonna go drop off the money," and she's very very worried. And then she says, you need to bring home a gallon of milk. And then you, you see, like, he, she's telling him, you need to prioritize your life. Don't get killed. And I thought that was a really well done scene and the subtlety of it. Because they only have so much time. She doesn't want to scare him or, or bug him out. But she does want to ensure that he comes back home alive. And I really thought that was intriguing. Uh, James Gandolfini too. Like I loved him as the mayor. He really even talked shit about Rudy Giuliani. I don't know if that was even in the script, but um, 
it's such a such a good fucking action movie and i'm not always into the thriller crime type thing but this one was good and john travolta like his dialogue in it is hilarious like there is a scene where he is talking to john Turturro and he and he says you fucking hurry up you fucking i'll fuck you in the ass you greaseball or something like that and then he's talking and then there was one scene I, i think he was talking to the mayor james gandafini's character and he says i don't give a fuck lick my bunghole motherfucker so he, this is John Travolta. I don't know if they told him to say half the shit he says, but he says a lot of stuff about buttholes and asses. And like, he's, I mean, his character is fresh out of prison. So I don't know what they're trying to lean on. But um, yeah, no, this, that movie was super fucking entertaining, but it's not as entertaining as, as the Gotti movie because, oh my Lord, oh my God. <laughs> the Gotti movie to me is comedy of, uh, is a comedy of the century. I like, the Gotti movie is is prime fucking mafia movie gone wrong, but in a in a good way. As in the movie, in a traditional way, is not good, but I was entertained. I was entertained by it, and I know that's that's shameful of me to say I was entertained by Gotti, but there are so many scenes where John Travolta is flipping out, like when he, like for instance, there's a scene he comes home. And he learned that his son, Junior, Gotti Jr., got into a fight. And he starts slapping him and his friend. And it's the funniest shit because he's like, God, motherfucker. He slaps him. He's like, don't you know? And he walks away. He's like, no, no, no. He comes back. He smacks him again. (laughs) Oh, fuck. And he just keeps doing it. And I'm just watching. I'm thinking, like, did they tell him to do this? Or is he just going off the cuff? Um... His, his his wig and everything and the beginning of the movie the the beginning of the movie is my fucking oh my god the beginning of the movie made it all um <laughs> made it all make sense that opening monologue Gotti opening monologue I gotta look up the opening monologue dun, dun, dun. I literally, I feel like I gotta, I gotta wait, I gotta find the movie script. <sighs> Let's see, self-esteem, da, da, da. Yeah, so, so I'm looking through the script, and I cannot find the one, oh, that's for the old Gotti movie. Okay. I know, people, I'm sorry. So here it is. Here it is. This is it. I found the fucking monologue. And this is how it goes. Let me tell you something. New York is the greatest fucking city in the world. My city. I was a kid in these streets. I started in the fucking gutter. And I made it to the top. This life ends one of two ways. Dead or in jail. I did both. Uh. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Does that tell you everything you need to know about the movie, guys? Does that tell you everything? Just how ridiculous this movie is? Because I'm telling you, if you want to like get some popcorn and be entertained, this movie does have its moments where you're like, oh, that's good, okay. There's glints of hope in it. And I think when John Travolta plays that older version of Gotti, I think he really nails it. But there are parts where it's just funny as fuck. Like, for instance, there's the movie, elements of it, it takes place in the 80s, right? And they're in fucking Spanish Harlem. They're, they're somewhere in New York. And they're literally playing Pitbull. They're playing a Pitbull song. 
a modern day pit bull song and it's supposed to be the 80 and it's like the sound of it it's like it has 808 it's clearly a song from the future but they're playing it like it's it's like that's what god he was it, it just was hilarious there are so many things about this movie that will just fucking get, get you dying laughing and like there are parts where I, I think john travolta nailed certain elements of john Gotti. Uh, the personality he he had he had some likability to him like around his family he was a good father there there were uh oh Gotti jr was also an interesting focal point i've and uh the dude who played sammy the bull was good i i really think that the comedic timing oh the scene where john travolta is in his rooms laying on the bed and he's betting on sports and he said, I fucking bet on the Redskins, but they're, they'll blow it. And like the way he talks about stuff, I, it's the most hilarious shit. So if you're ever bored, I would say go watch those movies. Go watch Gotti, The Taking of Pelham 123. If you just want to know like the kind of dialogue you're dealing with and what, what you'll get into. But um, I just want to take a moment and say thank you guys for listening. Uh, my goal is to have the website up and running within these next couple of weeks. I've been making my editorials, doing a good job about uh, staying up on my responsibilities. And I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. I'm going to talk about the Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers album pretty soon. Again, I like to take my time and digest it. I Maybe I'll call it a breakdown. Definitely not a review. Definitely don't put a score on things. That's never been how I do it. But to the beautiful listeners who are behind this uh who are probably behind this you know microphone i speak through and you hear it through your audio device from me to you god bless have a great day and i hope to see you soon thank you I think we might have stabilized everything. But how the fuck am I gonna follow this? Uh, 25 centimeter jam alive. Picking the lock, mama, look at me now. Broken with the chip and a smile. Landscape truck, I'll be whipping the style. Cutting the grass, I've been ripping the weeds. Triple entendre, I get like a fiend. Lowest on the track, better come with the heat. It's soaking the knowledge I learned from elite lyricists to keep feeding the streets. Gold is a mentality, we keep shining. Popping the tape, if you're feeling this iron, Armstrong 9-9.